Welcome to another Bite Side. I'm Seamus Byrne. This is a show about technology and games and culture and digital things. And joining me via digital means, as usual, as always, is Nick Healy. How are you? I am good. You say as usual, but normally I'm in a very well-appointed studio. I'm actually currently in the room my cat uses as a toilet because that is the spare room in the house. I had it beautifully set up just as his toilet. Now it's apparently my podcasting room. So that's nice for everyone involved. Well, that's good. See, people can now learn the difference between perfectly microphoned Nick and uh, yeah, and and the home mode Nick. Um, and we'll we'll roll with it. It's all fine. This we, is the nature of our time, 2020, the year of rolling with it. <laughs> rolling with it should be, I guess, the motto. We could like change anything to just roll with it yeah. and I'd be comfortable with that. Yeah, yeah. Every TV network, every uh, every serv- government service, yeah, or, and even Nike itself, just roll with it. <laughs> See, I think the interesting thing is going to be is normally when we do this, I can easily turn my mic on and off if I want to have a sip of water (laughs) or might need to clear my throat or anything like that. None of that's available now. So this should be fun. Yeah. And look, I know I have that power these days myself. So it's just you there, Nick. Just you. Um, Look, it's funny that we mentioned it a few weeks back. So it seems like a good place to start. And I mean, it's actually interesting in general. I have to say about two days ago i'm thinking man like for months we're just going to be talking about the coronavirus and how it's affecting the world and all that jazz and i'm and partly i'm like are we going to run out of things to talk about but no everybody keeps finding ways to feed the beast and uh, offer up their tweaks or changes or new things (laughs) and this week in the streaming wars that is all things entertainment media um Queeby or Kibi, I guess, you know, until I watch a video where they're announcing themselves and who they are and Meg Whitman, former boss of HP, stands on stage because she's the boss of, <laughs> or I think, I'm not sure if she's an investor or one of the bosses, but there's some big people behind this thing um, that, uh, yeah, until one of those sorts of people actually says on stage who they are and what they're doing. We'll, we'll go with Queeby because they put a U in it. So yeah, sure. We're meant to pronounce the U, right? But Q U I B I. You can now download it. They're doing. I don't know if it's just like a month for free, but I, I'm. You know, you don't even. It's need three to- months. You get three ninety months. days for free. I just signed up for it. I'm scrolling through it now. Ninety days. Yeah, and look, I, like clearly, it. I mean, that is a real startup move, right? Like this is not mega Hollywood. We have all the content you want. And therefore, you're going to give us money straight away in the Netflix sense nowadays, or you know, thirty days, or Disney is seven day trial. You know, so they they've got a tight leash on that one. Um, but yep, Queeby, ninety days because I think they know they have to prove themselves. And part of me wonders. So, oh, for people who don't know what the deal is, pretty much like serialized drama and comedy and different things. But the um, the main aim is like no episode is longer than 10 minutes. This is kind of really snackable media, but it is meant to be very much presented like polished entertainment media in short format. So a whole kind of new approach to this thing, very mobile friendly. Um, one of the, their sort of big aims, and you kind of have to sort of see it to try to you know get your head around it, but one of their aims is you can kind of rotate landscape portrait and apparently it still kind of feels okay. Um, but 
uh, yeah, they're launching into this mode when we aren't sitting in commuting situations. So I'm curious, Nick, do you feel like is this the wrong time or the perfect time to sample this thing out to the world? So I'm watching an episode of Nikki Fresh right now as we're talking. Right. Nikki Fresh being Nicole Richie's Queeby right. show. Right, okay. Um, you can quite genuinely flip from portrait to landscape, and it will change if you need if it needs to. It's yeah. actually really quite. It's incredibly clever and incredibly smooth. How have they got Nicole Richie? They've got the Maddens. They've got Jennifer Lopez on something. They've got Tracy Morgan. They've got. I don't even know what I'm looking at here. This is just blinding me. I, how has this become a thing? How has this become such a fully fledged thing? I am mystified. There's dramas. There's a whole show about flipping a house that's had a murder in it. <laughs> it's literally called Murder House Flip. It's a true crime makeover show. <laughs> Hang on, a true crime makeover show? True crime makeover. They go into houses oh. where murders have happened and they flip the house. So it's like so it's not a, like I was thinking like that's a a shtick for some kind of a like comedy drama. Yeah, almost no. like six feet under kind of a vibe. Um, but no, <laughs> it's true crime houses. Yeesh. I, I, am I being punked here? Which is actually one of the shows that's available. Is punked? <laughs> believe it or actually, not, actually a ten minute. Format I don't know what I'm looking. At. Really does make sense. I'm not going to lie. Ten minute punked because I mean every episode of punked was always essentially three different <laughs> gags running kind of side by side in the one episode. Um, trying to kind of, you know, save the best bit until the very end of the show for all three bits, you know, very clever. Um, but you're right. I think um, I, you're right. I have actually punked you. I'm really, uh, what do you think? I went to like some pretty extreme uh, lengths. I'm really to put impressed. That together. Um, Wait, no. Sophie Turner has her own show. Yes. Like that's the one that jumped out <laughs> at me where you're like, this is actually like, They've gone out of their way. So, look, one of the people behind it, I think, is Jeffrey Katzenberg. So, like, we're talking, there are real uh, hardcore moneyed Hollywood producers behind, you know, this thing. So, it isn't just a random startup. This is well-connected Hollywood people exploring a new format and creating something new. Now, whether that is something people fall in love with, that's definitely a big question. <laughs> I think you were right when you said earlier on Feed the Beast, the same way you say TikTok, which has been fascinating to watch it evolve from 14-year-olds kind of doing comedy to a very older audience embracing it as an easy way to do video online. Yeah. I actually think this might be the perfect time for it. It's not about whether you're on the, the commute or anything like that. This might be your kind of Pomodoro break time. I could watch a whole episode and be back at work in less time than it takes to make a cup of coffee. That is actually, that's a really good point that we are looking for, you know, those just mini distractions would be a really helpful thing during the workday right now because yeah. we aren't getting that easy excuse to pop down the coffee shop if you're at your office. Those little moments where you go, I'm just going to get that breather. Um, I think it's so much easier to forgive yourself in those sorts of moments when you are working at an office. And then we're in this moment right now where we're not kind of getting that relief. And it, But it, it's, it feels harder a lot of times because you feel guilty at home 
just for walking to the kitchen to make a cup of tea. You feel like, because <laughs> now you feel like you're cheating because you're now very clearly at home <laughs> and your brain can go into a different mode. But um, this could be actually, yeah, it could be really great. And particularly with the fact that they need to just try to get people comfortable with it as much as my first thought really was like, it kind of clearly it loses something for them to not have it that very obvious thing that people think, oh, cool, I'm like heading to the train now. I will now kind of watch a queeby thing or whatever. But most maybe most people's commutes are longer than that and they're ha- happily in that podcast slot. Whereas your point that this is kind of living between that sort of TikTok realm and full-fledged TV um, means it is something very different to just kind of flicking open TikTok and exploring a few funny videos in a row. I kind of feel that if they get the quality of this right in terms of the productions, in terms of the writing, the shows, like if it actually feels like you're watching a show, this might fill the niche of I'm not quite tired but I am in bed, I'm going to watch a 10-minute what culture video that I'm not going to feel good about at the end of it. Maybe watching Liam Hemsworth and Christoph Waltz in a dystopian thriller for eight minutes is exactly what you'll feel good about. I mean, literally when you describe that, it's like, hell yes, I want to watch. (laughs) it's called most dangerous game i know what i'm getting with it it sounds amazing and look i have to say part of me feels like the names that they're giving these shows is so (laughs) like it is clickbait headlines it isn't (laughs) we've come up with a clever pithy hbo name for like a tv series (laughs) it is like this is what it says on the tin (laughs) most dangerous game Chrissy's court. Oh my god! I would totally watch some Chrissy Chrissy Teigen running a court. Yes. The question is: Is it going to be three months worth, and then I do want to pay thirteen dollars a month? Yeah, because for three months I'm sticking around. That's great. Right now, there is nothing here that's going to make me not cancel in three months. How much per month? Thirteen dollars. Yeah, that's yeah, that feels steep. I'm sure that's what it told me. Mm. But I, I mean, so I guess that's probably you know it's probably nine ninety nine in the US, and so that can they probably made that uh, thirteen ninety nine in Australia or something like that. But man, yeah, this um ah, oh, like I'm looking at yeah twelve ninety nine a month, right? And I'm seeing flipped pop up now, which is which is, and this is where I think in my brain I was definitely thinking um that. When you were mentioning the the true crime uh, murder house flipping show, that there is a show about like it's a comedy um, starring a couple of really cool people where they are like you know a, a kid a drug cartel kidnaps two aspiring home renovation stars and forces them to remodel their mansions. Um, so like because I think they find stuff behind the wall of some house that they're about to flip, and so then they get in trouble with mob bosses. Um, but that is a comedy. <laughs> That is a comedy. Yeah, Jerry O'Connell, Andy oh, Garcia. I mean, who will for Eva Longoria? How have they? How much money has gone into this? The Titus Burgess High Octane Reality Cooking Competition. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm just saying. So, Murder that House is now Flip. a Queeby review show, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, and look, tune in each week for our new show. And I mean, there's something funny about the fact that they um, they can't like when we think about watching uh, a major streaming service where we're watching one hour shows, 
um, then we kind of like there really is sort of a feeling of I don't want to have to like it's kind of the really lazy like I mean right it's ultimate lazy I don't want to commit like 40 minutes to checking out this show. I'm not sure if I'm going to like it yet. I've heard it doesn't get good until episode five, so that's like a really long time. Whereas you, in that same amount of time, I could watch three seasons of creepy shows. So you know what? I was unsure before we started this conversation, but the fact that I can probably watch almost everything they have available by the time we meet again next week... <laughs> sure. That, I'm going to put a dent in. Yeah. I'm going to 100% put a dent in. That's my promise. And it <laughs> it definitely then does speak to the fact that they probably, like, given that so many productions are now on hiatus or shut down or whatever, they're going to run out of content pretty quickly because they're not making more of this stuff right at this oh, moment, yeah, as far as I can tell, unless they do just start paying some celebrities to do some of these shop from home Things like, have you been watching any of the late night talk shows where it's just the hosts basically being funny at home? And obviously, look, I have, yeah. And I think the only one who's actually standing up well has been John Oliver. Now, his last two episodes, which have been done from his own home, yeah, have actually been great. Yeah, and I mean, his format has definitely lent itself well to going. Now I'm going to go on a 20 minute tirade about yeah coronavirus, uh, and my writing team has written some jokes to go along with it. <laughs> Yeah. Look, they've been very inventive. I actually really enjoyed Sam B's final show that was in her studio when they couldn't have an audience, so they had carefully spaced out production staff. Yep. But what they'd done was actually go back after all the rehearsals and her writers had put in jokes she hadn't seen. Oh, cool. So she was actually cracking up while doing the show and it worked really, really well. Yeah, that's Um, nice. Sadly, I think because of Stephen Colbert being such a produced show and such a carefully produced show, it's actually been the least effective out of all of them. Yeah, that's that's a good point. And I think Jimmy Fallon has kind of been quite, I've found it quite endearing because that is his approach to kind of just be a bit loose and a bit endearing and to try to have kind of very very familiar conversations with the people who he has on his guests and it mm. that does seem to translate well when he's doing just a zoom chat with somebody or um yeah the fact that his kind of kids have been just you know climbing on him while he's been doing <laughs> segments and stuff and they're just like yeah i don't care and he's like, it's like daddy's working <laughs> like yeah whatever <laughs> uh, actually that's my been favorite has been seth myers trying new and different rooms every single time <laughs> uh, one of which was so cold his nose turned red and he's like the next day, <laughs> next day he's saying i look like a cartoon drunk we had no idea how cold it was going to be in that room that's so, great. look it's been very entertaining yeah but, um, I, it's been entertaining in the short term Yes. We've got this for a long time now. How yeah. much fun can we have? Like, is this is this going to end up affecting content and media the way the writer's strike did back in the mid-noughts? I think it will be even bigger than what happened with the writer's strike, yeah. I mean, I always remember that, you know, um, one of the great shows of the time, Heroes, really was oh. deeply affected because of the writer's strike because didn't they just get a bunch of... Uh, non-union writers to try to help fill out the following season and it was a total disaster um it's terrible i stopped watching and yeah. look scrubs suffered as well badly yeah right yeah i missed that one so yeah i think oh, um, oh. 
I I know I do I love Scrubs, but I missed that when it I meant the I missed the bad season. Um, but this is this is going to be bigger because I mean, it, well, writers almost the opposite. <laughs> writers are still writing; <laughs> they just can't shoot anything, um, or everything is being shot in really weird ways. I actually, you know, total aside, I had a production meeting today about some potential um video stuff that i might sort of host uh you know in coming months and it's like well you know are we going the animated route where i do voiceover for the production or are we going sort of so there's lots of kind of discussions about how do we still produce something because we can all still do the production work to prepare for it but we can't necessarily all meet in one place to then shoot it um so that's actually going to be the big challenge for hollywood given how you know how polished everything is because they have teams of people um that suddenly like are there going to be a lot of rushed shoots next year in the name of things you know are they gonna try to go nrl island style and send a team of people to go and quarantine themselves for a few weeks and then they can all start shooting the next kong film on some private island somewhere (laughs) maybe would that be a bad thing i don't know yeah it would be a thing. It would be a thing. <laughs> it would be a thing. And then there would be one movie ready to come out on the other side of this. Actually, who are we kidding? They've like parked every movie that was meant to come out. We're going to have the biggest blockbuster. Um, I'm not going to say Christmas because, I mean, everything is suggesting we might be here until the vaccine's <laughs> ready. Um, summer 2021 American box office season might just be the biggest Summer at the box office of all time. But will it be? This is what's interesting. Maybe to me, it won't. What are we going <laughs> to come out of this as? Are we going to decide that actually we didn't need cinemas, that we're actually we've been fine at home? I mean, I just, we, and I'm not trying to go OTT here, but the world is going to fundamentally shift. Yeah. Like in significant ways and ways we don't comprehend just yet and can't at the moment Mm. i find that really interesting you know like when i think well i hope i can still get cocktails delivered to my house the way i can now i mean that's going to be the big change i want i'm kidding but we are going to see huge changes i mean how many people are going to be able to continue remote working yeah yeah that's it i mean Uh, you know is the nature of the workplace going to be completely different at the end of this even when we don't have to be making these force changes that we are now yeah and look, that I mean, it's a great point about things like cinemas and all the rest as well, because you sort of think we, like, yes, it's horrible and dramatic what's happening right now, and an awful lot of lives are on the line. This is so important, um, but you do sort of hope that it's like we can't, we shouldn't just walk away from this the same as we were before. That this is an opportunity to sort of rethink what's important to people, including the way we work and including the way we find our entertainment. And I feel like, you know, there there's so many sort of jokes about sort of, you know, everything that people hate about going to the cinema. It is a lovely kind of shared environment for enjoying something together without necessarily having, you know, had to like all the other people in the room yet. Um, but, it, but those shared laughs and cheers and things in a great movie uh, are something special that are enjoyable. But, of course, so many people, you know, in the, if a bunch of cinemas 
of course, they've all got no money right now. Like people are saying AMC cinemas <laughs> in America might just shut down. But you're like, man, if they had the money to go, you know what, let's install that like Faraday cage we've often talked about to mean that nobody's mobile phone works while they're in a cinema. So no one can accidentally have a damn call or or just have one because they feel like it. Um, or and, pirate a movie. Yeah, or pirate a movie. Or like let's, you know, upgrade all the seating and let's do all the things that we think, you know what, what would be the perfect cinema? How do we now refresh the whole damn place? while we know that there's no one here anyway. Um, again, not that you can necessarily get a construction crew to do it right now. <laughs> I, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Look, I'm just going to say I'm glad the last movie I saw in the cinema was Invisible Man because uh, otherwise it would have been The Gentleman and that's not the last cinema experience I want to remember. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a really good point. I like. What was the last thing I went to see? Oh, my God. Like, that is going to be a question. Too? That is going to be a question. <laughs> What was the last thing what I was went the to last see in the movie? You know, in the before times. <laughs> oh, and I mean, <laughs> right, yeah. It's always funny that when we think about, you know, how the apocalypse is represented on uh, on TV and film that often there isn't just this delusional slow phase beforehand where we all sort of go, <laughs> isn't it funny? And as we slowly devolve. I don't know. Look, I feel like things have picked up because I managed to get 30 eggs delivered to my workplace, 30 free-range eggs, and found a 20-pack of toilet paper today. So I've got 50 reasons to smile. Everything's coming and, up uh, It just felt like really normal things, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Look, how... we should talk... Yeah, I, I, we're, both going, we're both going for the segue right <laughs> at the same moment because uh, I was going <laughs> to ask you how many meetings you have to have remotely at this point. You're very much a studio person. Um, I'm definitely having lots of Zoom calls. Um, but, yeah, I was wondering if if they've become part of your daily staple yet. So, yes, I we have our daily editorial meeting via Microsoft Teams because that is what the ABC uses. And yep. Microsoft Teams, for those who haven't used it, is like someone who'd used Slack once, got really drunk and described it to a Microsoft engineer and they went off and made what they thought it was supposed to be. <laughs> I'm not a fan. You're right. But we've been using that even if we're in the same office. So a few people are working remotely, a few people are in the office. We are making sure that even if you're sitting side by side, we're all in the Teams chat. And it's actually working quite well. But honestly, that's about it. A lot of my day-to-day hasn't changed too much. I'm using video chat in my off time instead. I'm catching up with friends that way. It's been really nice. We've got a standing Friday drinks with a few friends, which is almost an open invite, like a kind of drop round if you're in town kind of thing. Yeah, it's yeah. just we send a link out and anyone who wants to come in and have a few drinks, no rush round. And if no one turns up, that's okay as well. Yeah. It's um we're trying to get a bit of normalcy back and and that's kind of been it as if you were going to say to someone i'll be at the pub from five poke your head in if you feel like a catch up yeah um and that's been really nice and look we have been using zoom the 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 app that you know the video chat service that was previously only famous for the fact it made you re-download it every time you tried to open it yes yeah i've been i think zoom has still remained kind of the big thing that we've been using for lots of work meetings and lots of meetings with um like i mean look basically every kind of connection that i need to make remotely at the moment everyone has defaulted to zoom and i mean it's funny that in the in the last few days uh i've seen both 
uh, that Skype has released a big new update um, so yeah. that you can actually connect and have a video call with anybody just through a link without them needing an account, which has been exactly why Zoom has taken off because you don't need to create an account, all that jazz. And it's just funny that it's like, you know, in a lot of ways you're like, the horse is bolted here, Skype. Um, but at the very least, the I mean, there's an interesting part where the sort of the Zoom security and privacy um, complaints have definitely been getting louder and louder um, to the point where mm. sort of, you know, some security experts have been finding you know, weird things like, oh, uh, you know, sometimes a call that's taking place inside America might bounce through a Chinese server to get its authentication ticket. Um, people are like, that's not cool. <laughs> and, weird. you know, Zoom's that's like, really we're really sorry that was an error. Um, but they've spent a lot of time apologizing for security over, you know, like poor security practices, basically. Um, I saw one security expert essentially say, you know, I can forgive this, this, and this, but then the fact that they've used, like, I don't even know sort of the terminology, but they'd used some kind of security system where this person was like, this just proves that they don't know any, they don't have anybody in the building who really understands digital security, and I would not be running my business's uh, information through their systems um, because they were just like, this is such a red flag that anybody chose to use this as part of their system. So I'm still like going, I'm sticking with the pragmatic view of going, yeah, look, uh, it works fine and I'm not going to have any deeply important information meetings over the over it. Um, if, I, <laughs> if something comes up, I will definitely keep these issues in mind. Um, but for the most part, it's working well and people are falling in love with these Zoom backgrounds. And, you know, well, I bet you've seen a few and I bet you're in love with them. I'm, that's my guess. <laughs> Where do you sit? Nick, so what are you sitting in front of I when you're in a call? I got super excited about them. I decided I needed the max headroom striking oh. bits. Like, yep. Yeah, yeah. so we can got that. Boy, everything just grinds to a halt and it looks absolutely terrible once you get them up and running, doesn't it? <laughs> I hate them. I absolutely hate them. <laughs> uh, one of our old co-workers got incredibly internet famous for the Zoom background he made recently, animated of himself walking in on himself that during a Zoom chat. It's actually that was very, hilarious. Very good. Yeah. Very, very clever. I've seen them. I've tried them. Uh, I've tried to chat with people who were sitting on the, uh, no, the deck of the bloody enterprise and things Ooh. like that. And honestly, I'm just over them. I'm really over them. I, I'm kind of. In terms of work, I wonder if we have now hit the point where not a case of could this, uh, you know, meeting have been an email, but could this video chat have been a phone call? Yes. Yeah. Look, I mean, that's a good point. Uh, though it's funny, isn't it? Because the default right now is that idea that we're seeking more connection. Then, like, if you're going to have to talk to somebody, it's kind of funny that, you know, that the previous default absolutely was like, please don't make me turn on a camera. I'm going to have to have thought about what I look like. <laughs> Whereas now the default has very quickly become, let's video chat because it's nicer. 
because because I'm stuck here staring at four walls and seeing a human face responding to me as I speak to it is a really nice feeling. <laughs> and I don't so even care what I look like. <laughs> what has been fascinating to me is um, we have uh, an amazing person in Dubbo, where I am. Her name's Kira Hampson. She actually won our Haywire competition. So she's an excellent communicator, ABC Haywire being a, a great way for regional young Aussies to kind of tell their story. And she's become a bit of my... Um, a teaser for this, my default youth correspondent when I need a young person nice. to give in. And um, I chatted to her today and she said that what's been fascinating to her is that people her age are picking up the phone when someone calls. They're not staring at it in terror. They're not wondering why someone isn't texting. Yeah. They're actually really enjoying having a phone call. Yeah. That's a really and interesting that's point. In- yeah. Because I know, like I know, my daughter has actually sometimes before, and they're now officially on school holidays. Um, but even ahead of that, she would arrange to have a quick phone call with some of her school friends at lunch break because she just was feeling really lonely and wanted to be able to catch mm. up with people. And you know, she doesn't have her own phone yet; she's too young for that. So we were like, "Look, yep, we'll get the phone number of the parent of the kid you want to have a chat to, and then you can kind of you know go to our." you know, NBN landline and pick it up and punch in some numbers and do it old school <laughs> on a wired handset because we're like, oh, and we, no. we, we hardly even need this thing. So there it is in the corner. Now it's like, yep, welcome back to the 1980s, kid, before we yeah, ever wow. even discovered wireless handsets. <laughs> so you want a wireless handset? That's what mobile phones are now. We don't even need that other stuff. Um, but it's a really good point that, how do we, you know, I feel like at the moment, right, all these things, it's about the scales going all the way one way, all the way another way. And I guess over coming weeks, we're going to slowly kind of find where that balance is. But I feel like now it almost feels like someone has to take a defensive posture to actually say, I I, I don't want to turn on video. It's like, oh. Someone will. Yeah. Someone 100% will. I oh, mean, yeah. you know, as someone pointed out to me, most modern phones can handle a six-way conversation. Yeah. So you can call in, you know, up to six people on a standard phone call. Mm. So if you're sitting around while people freeze up and your screen fills up and people forget to mute and someone takes their laptop into the toilet without thinking and all those sorts of things, just step back a bit and think, could that have been a phone call? Yeah. And actually, it's funny, I interviewed somebody last week um, from Poland and, you know, we were having a little bit of of stuttering. It was actually a, a Google Hangouts call. Um, that was just their preferred platform. And, yeah, partway through we sort of went, yeah, let's just turn off the cameras so that we get a clean audio feed <laughs> rather than having the video interrupting our ability to get really clear audio for this conversation because it is going to be recorded for a podcast so yeah you're right i think maybe that's going to be part of it is that of course not every, you know and this is one of those issues that we're facing um i've definitely come around to the idea that you know a lot of the issues that people are experiencing with the mbn can be tied up in the whole cvc type discussion that we've had before um but there is no question that Depending on where you live, you have very different versions of the MBN right now, or you might not even have MBN yet. And that does mean that different people are having a very different experience of how their video pushes out. We found that last weekend playing uh, our first round of a new D&D campaign that we're running sort of through um, through online tools. And yeah, you know, 
couple of the people were you know we all came together on house party as that as that being the platform we used for chatting um and we definitely found some people were having very awkward kind of yeah just video connection problems because yeah they're just their home internet wasn't ready for it it's a really big deal and look you know we often talk about mobile black spots and you tend to think of them when you're driving you know you're going through a black spot you're like oh no of course we're not driving as much anymore we're not thinking about it as much but there are people who live in those mobile black spots yeah. now round five is meant to be kicking off soon. Rounds one to four of tower building to try and end this black spot. They should have been completed by the 30th of June. Now, it's unknown if that's still entirely on track. I actually chatted to the Minister for Regional Communications this week, Mark Colton, and he assured me that the black spot program is ongoing. And in fact, it's still incredibly important. But it's worth remembering, as you said, a lot of people not only not on the NBN, a lot of people relying on mobile communications in regional and remote areas. Yeah. And look, I mean, that's, yeah, that's probably a really good point there to wrap this bit of chatting up on is the fact that that also puts a lot more demand on people's mobile phone charges because if oh, you're relying man. on mobile, then you are not getting given unlimited access to, you know, <laughs> unlimited gigabytes. You have a very finite amount of usage and being asked to kind of stream video every time someone wants to talk to you about work is far from ideal. It's not a lot of fun. Yeah. No. Should we talk about something fun? Should we talk about gaming? Yes. Let's talk about game stuff. <laughs> so, um, I yep. Tell me about Valorant because yes. I keep seeing the word everywhere. Yep. I know it's Riot, and I've lost any other information about it. Okay. So, um, this weekend just gone has been uh, the big kind of coming out party for Valorant as. A thing that we can finally see in action. Late last year, Riot announced, uh, as part of the sort of 10th anniversary celebrations, they announced that they had like not one, not two, not three, but about four new games in the works. Um, (laughs) It was nuts because for years, of course, they've been the company that it's like, well, they make League of Legends. And one of the jokes has always been, they call themselves Riot Games, but they only have (laughs) one game. Um, so the fact that at that anniversary, everyone knew they had things on in the works, but then suddenly it was like, okay, let's preview our upcoming digital card game, our upcoming first-person shooter, our upcoming fighting game, our upcoming mobile version of our all-time classic uh, League of Legends game and mobile version of the card game. And uh, an animated series is also in the works. Like, it was just like, oh, my God, wow. <laughs> yeah, I'm really ready to go. So, yeah, look, next year we're planning on doing everything. Um, and Project A was the shooter, and it's now named as Valorant. And everything in terms of the feedback from it, right, like people really trust Riot Games. In terms of their pedigree as an esports company in particular, um, people have a lot of faith in their ability to sort of really deliver something that is going to work in that context. So the really big things about Valorant is it's learnt a lot from Overwatch and it's learnt a lot from Counter-Strike to really sort of find a place in the middle where it's going to be sort of pretty to watch. It's got a range of characters who have different powers, but those powers are going to be sort of pretty well balanced. Um, Unlike Overwatch, which is a kind of, you know, shooter where you... um, you know, in each round, if you die, like you'll respawn and kind of the characters can keep pushing towards an objective. Um, I think the round structure, at least in sort of the initial stuff we've seen, 
is more like Counter-Strike in that in any given round, if you die, you're out until the end of the round. Um, and so there's kind of that sort of a scoring system of a series of rounds taking place quite rapidly um, until, you know, one side or the other has killed everybody else or achieved the objective, one or the other. Um, and it's also very, very aim-focused. And that's the really big thing that people are in love with who come from that Counter-Strike side of loving shooters and even like the Call of Duty type shooters, that idea of skill will beat, uh, you know, random chance, that kind of stuff. Or, you know, in Overwatch, Mm. there are certain characters. I mean, it's part of why I've enjoyed playing Overwatch is there are certain characters where it's not about being great at aiming. It's about sort of giving you that mix of skills and then having certain roles where you go, oh, I can do that. That's cool. Great. Like, I've never been great at aiming. Let me do that other thing. Um, Whereas, yeah, this is focused on that higher skill level of people who go, yes, almost everything in this game is about being great at aiming. Um, But it also just looks pretty. And then even on the super hardcore end of things, one of the biggest things that they've talked about is um, this thing called tick rate, which is essentially, it's kind of how quickly the game is communicating back to the server, um, which... Essentially, it's going to mean it will register who shot who much better than a lot of other games, if you know what I mean. So, because that can be a thing where on a slow tick rate game, there, so it's almost separate to latency as a thing, right? It's almost related to kind of how fast your screen refreshes. It's more related to that sort of an idea. And so, you know, that ability for the server to really pick up on that information of inputs and being able to more fairly judge who shot who in a given moment or like if you like run past a doorway um there are some kinds of games where if the tick rate is low then that interaction between you running past a doorway and someone trying to shoot you that it's just not going to ever quite match up and so you will get away with running through the line of sight versus a game that will go yeah if someone knows that you're about to go past and they kind of ping you then they are going to hit you um again more it helps to kind of really put skill ahead of chance. So lots of people are falling over themselves for it. A really interesting thing that's come up actually uh, is through this weekend's kind of big, you know, like it's lots of influencers and people like that all playing and people have had the chance to sort of through drops on Twitch, you've been able to get a code to then get into the beta. Um, Apex, when it launched early last year, yeah, EA basically paid millions of dollars to influencers to play it through that first weekend, to play it through its first few weeks, um, to give it lots of attention. And, you know, and it, it worked in terms of getting attention right at the start, but uh, it definitely over time, I think partly, you know, you can, it was it because the game didn't really update itself very well and all that jazz. Um, but with Valorant, it's been interesting that they've been very clear that no one has been paid to participate in this opening weekend. And, um it, it's kind of like there's an enthusiasm for it there that they've been able to leverage and there's even talk from people who let's say you're in a tier two esports team like right now maybe you're in an overwatch contenders team um which means you're sort of hoping maybe one day you'll get you know get the tap on the shoulder from an overwatch league team and invited to play uh there's a lot of people in that sort of space that are basically going uh hi i'm going to be committing to valorant now because i want to be like on that kind of first wave of committed pro players to Valorant to try to get signed to a team early on. So lots of hype around it. Um, And it does like, it looks pretty, which is I think an important part of 
wanting to have an audience that wants oh. to watch the game, not just to play the game. Absolutely. Like, and I, having just quickly looked up the characters, I'm really kind of taken by the backstories. They look really interesting. What what was 2K's attempt at one of these that had the weird battle planet where you had different styles of characters oh. that had been all brought together? Was it called Battle Mode or... Because um, uh, you're right, like there were sort of some really pretty looking characters and stuff. But none of it felt coherent. Yeah. And it suffered, you know, I, I think it had one of those classic kind of so much was happening on screen at any given time. It was nearly impossible to work out what you were doing and what was being done to you and what was just happening around you. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of into the design of these characters. They look really interesting. And for me, that's a big deal. I want to get invested in a bit of a character. Clearly, I am not the kind of person who's going to be going for any tier. Uh, if I'm going <laughs> to yeah. run around and have a bit of fun with one of these, I want to kind of have play a character that I'm going to enjoy playing. And I think this could have something like that. Yeah. And the timing of this is kind of pretty great for for them to really sort of take hold of something at the moment because Overwatch 2 isn't expected until next year. Um, you know, uh, Blizzard has just announced that, that you know, that, uh, what's her name? Echo is the, like, the newest character. That will be the last character of this generation of the game and no new characters will arrive until Overwatch 2. So it sort of means that right now that game is... Pretty much what it will be until, you know, Overwatch 2 comes along, um, which, you know, is expected to be next year, but it could be longer given everything that's happening. Like so many things are just fundamentally going to be delayed for a while. Um, Whereas, yeah, Riot has been ready to go with this thing. And it means that, you know, I'm sure when it launches and then like through the back half of this year that they've got a great window of time to really sort of build something to watch a scene grow online and then start to kind of look at, okay, now we can sort of start supporting the idea of a pro league next year, but I'm sure they'll run some online tournaments and things to kind of start encouraging more and more people to get involved. But yeah, it's like, as far as the pedigree goes, that's one of the big things on that esports side is that people have a lot of faith in Riot as a company that knows how to run an esport. And so, um, yeah, there's a lot of people who have you know enjoyed their you know life in other games whether it is counter-strike or whether it is overwatch um that are now sort of looking at oh okay maybe there's a new lease of life over in that game um and even you know counter-strike is kind of a big one where it actually is one of the games that i mean it's you know an absolute long time you know top of the esports charts in terms of participation and love of watching it online i still love watching it um that it is actually one of the games that doesn't have as high a tick rate as this game is going to have. And in that super kind of hardcore scene, um, there really are, I think, some very, you know, high-level Counter-Strike players who are going to feel like this is actually the place that they want to, you know, have a close look and see if they do want to be stepping sideways because, you know, Valve, um, who makes Counter-Strike, that they haven't necessarily kept pushing it forward all that much at that sort of top level so you know yeah interesting times and of course the one caveat for valorant is that Riot has warned that coronavirus means that their qa could be a little delayed and so could their data centers so there just could be a little hiccup in getting that out to everyone yeah that's a good point but yeah i think um very fascinating and this will definitely you know by the end of this year valorant will be one of the big games that everybody talks about so at least you heard it here first if you heard it, <laughs> if you heard it here first 
Seamus, <laughs> final question for you. Yes. $34 a month. What do you think? Expensive? Um, if I was only getting... Um, uh, oh, see, I, I, suddenly my brain started one searching for one <laughs> answer and then I went, oh, like... I mean, that's, I guess, one kind of nice lunch at, like, one of my favourite local eateries. That's not yeah. bad. <laughs> it's it's what, like, two and a bit queeby um, <laughs> subscriptions, <laughs> yes. apparently. Yeah. What am I getting for that $34 a month, Nick? Well, this is what Telstra reckon they're going to be able to charge per month a subscription over 24 months for the Xbox One X when it launches, and it will include Xbox Game Pass. Now, you know, I've chatted about subscription gaming a few times. I ended up getting sold on it. Oh, I am you a, did. a subscriber to Xbox Game Pass, and yep. I'm really enjoying it. Um, and I don't think this is a particularly onerous fee. I'm yeah. actually quite impressed. So, um, and especially given how big the X, One X is likely to be. Yeah. Weird looking device. Just yeah. going to throw that out there. But that is actually a great price. And again, something that's come up time and time again for you and I is that consoles and subscription payments for them makes as much sense as it does for a mobile phone to me. Yeah. So uh, clarification, Xbox One X, that is the current top of the line model that they are offering oh. for $34 a month for 24 months. And Series X. Series X. Gotta get them confused. And you have every right to get them confused, Nick, because boy, did Microsoft decide to take the lazy approach when it came to <laughs> naming their next generation Gosh, console. Dang it. It but is, the One X, yeah. is still, that is still a good price for One X. Yeah, and look, I mean, so yeah, so they have they have announced that Series X will definitely be available on an Telstra All Access subscription plan when it lands, mm. whenever that may be, um, and that right now they're adding the One X because until now it's only been the One S. But I at first I was like going, it's not great timing for it, is it? But then I thought, you know what, like if you took this deal, like that is a good price. Because that includes the Game Pass price. So, you know, what's that normally? Like, it's probably roughly nine or ten bucks a month or something like that over the course yeah. of the year. Yeah. How much is it? Actually, yeah. I, forget to, I forget how much I pay yeah. for it. But, yeah. um, but you sort of think so, even if you said 25 bucks a month of that is essentially your fee for getting an Xbox One X, it's like that's 500 bucks over 24 months ish. No, more than that. Um, uh, 600 bucks <laughs> over the course of 24 months. And you're like, that's pretty much the price of the console. Like, there's no premium involved with paying for that. But it is, just becomes a nice monthly fee. And, what you know, I think as much as it means you're not going to have the Series X on day one, I'm like, it'll really only be getting going by, you know, like, it's not going to come out for another six months, right? It's going to be a Christmas type thing at the end of this year. So... What you're kind of getting is saying, you know what, for the next two years, I want a One X because it's going to give me great experience. It's going to be awesome. And then in a year and a half after the Series X has launched and we're starting to get into the like, finally, the awesome games are coming out on the next generation console, I can switch over to that plan. And it'll be cheaper than if I, you know, got this plan on the day it came out. I think that's a good way of doing it. I, just looking now, um, the ultimate Xbox Game Pass, 16 bucks a month. Yeah, right. And so, yeah, and I think that's what you're getting um, as part of this deal. Like, so... Yeah, you are. Yeah, it's like, that's that's a great... Uh, it is a really good it offer. Is. You would... I mean, there is absolutely that caveat of going, 
I don't think I would take this deal right now because as much as I can do the mental gymnastics to see how it's worthwhile, um, I know that I would get that FOMO feeling come Christmas. And <laughs> particularly, you know, not, again, launch titles, you know, sometimes they're great, sometimes they're not. More often, they're not as good as what will come out a year later. But I would absolutely hit that point somewhere within that window where I'm looking at the game that's only available on Series X and be going, oh, man, I've got a contract for this thing. <laughs> I can't just decide to what, run on, and have was, the other one. Are you suggesting to me that Knack, the launch title for the PS4, was not indeed an instant classic <laughs> that we all still remember fondly and can't wait to replay? Oh, man. Like, <laughs> there is re PlayStation really has a history of asking some kind of a company to say, please make a game that shows off a particular thing we think is great about our new console. So Knack was like, oh, look, because it like falls apart and look at all the pieces and because look how many things we can render at once on screen with our new amazing processor. And you're like, oh, really? That's why they made this game? To show off the processor? Oh. Oh, and there's a speaker in the controller. Don't forget that important part of it. Oh. And also the uh, yeah, PlayStation Vita um, Uncharted game where it had lots of things where you would like, you had to like scratch, you know, like you would clean scratch the back things of it. Yes. yeah, to like scratch oh. it. And, and you're like, oh, you, you, you made them put this into the game. This didn't need to be here. Of course, then you got Spider-Man, you got God of War, you got Last of Us. Like, yeah. there are so many reasons to own a PlayStation. It's yes, like exactly. Funny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so I think that's a great deal. I think it does. And But even, right, even if you waited till Christmas, it seems like that is going to be a great option. Because even, right, last year when they announced the 1S plan, I was still that have that feeling where you go, it's so late in the console cycle. I just don't know if I'd want to pick up a new console in that way but i would absolutely think about adding because again it's like all right i'm a telstra mm. customer in other ways and then i just go great just you know as part of that bill i already pay you every month just kind of throw this into my account and then i've i'm not even thinking about it as much but i know i'm not getting ripped off as part of that deal like that's a really really good way for them to run this stuff it's a really good way. Yeah. And look, I, you know, I've said it once, said it before. I reckon we're going to see a lot more of that as we go forward. Yeah. And look, I think that's probably a place to wrap it up for the week. Let's do it. Because I can also see my neighbor setting up and about to start working on his roof. So it's about to get loud right. fast. Um, I've, yeah, I've had some neighbors mowing lawns outside and it's reminding me I should try to actually mow the front lawn before uh, before the rain sets in. Hey, so I, I did actually buy myself a mower recently now that I have backyards and front yards, and I got myself low-tech. I've got a push mower, and I've never looked back. Oh, wow. See, I have I'm a battery-op uh, push mower, huh. and um, it's been pretty good. Yeah, it's, uh, what is it, a Ryobi? Um, it's some, like, big, giant, hulking battery that you slot into it, and the battery also powers the uh, the edge trimmer that I use. Um, that's been pretty pretty good. No petrol yeah, required. 49. Forty-nine bucks. Had to assemble it myself. It's nothing but rotating blades. You push under your own sweat. Ah, uh, and look, and you know, and you only have to reef that cable eight times for it to start. Hey, no, 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 cable. It's literally a push mower. Oh, I'm talking about a proper hand wow. mower. Wow. Okay. I, yeah. All yeah. Right. Nick, I went super low. To I and look now that I really understand it, I completely understand it. 
because you know uh, how how you, I did. I saw the photo of you the other day with uh, with your cat up on your shoulders, and I'm like, yep. Nick is like full Bushman at the moment, so that push, push mower, <laughs> it's a perfect fit. It's a perfect fit. If only the inner west had enough lawns, because I bet everybody in the inner west would also be using push mowers. They probably would be too. <laughs> no, I never thought of it as a hipster achievement. Thank you very much, Seamus. I think we can leave that there. How can people find you? Uh, they can find me on Twitter. I am at Seamus. And, of course, they can find all the bite side things in the usual places and the main place being biteside.com. Where can people find you? Oh, hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Dr. Nick. That is D-R underscore N-I-C. Or just grab me on Facebook, Nick Healy. Awesome. And yes, all you people out there, feel free to email ask at biteside.com if you do want to tell us anything interesting and we'll talk about it. Until next time, we'll see you then. See ya.